My name is Clay Moffitt. I'm a filmmaker um, in Santan Valley, Arizona. In my professional film career, I guess I've made probably five or six short films and um, currently working on my third feature film right now as director. On average, I shoot a feature film in about three or four days. I do all the writing, directing, producing, and editing um, myself. I'm able to support my family and keep throwing money and income into films by having a full-time job. I actually manage a, a pizza restaurant and I work 55 hours every single week in addition to um, seeing my wife, raising my kids, and living that lifestyle and also producing films. So there's only 24 hours in a day and I stretch it thin. The secret is caffeine. <laughs> Um, I would say the secret, and um, a lot of people tell me this too, is the secret is managing your time. And I think that I'm able to do that so well because I've been a restaurant manager for 12 years. So I understand um, the scheduling and the aspect that goes with that. And I just put that into filmmaking and my daily life. My favorite role in the whole process is definitely post-production, editing. Um, I really like uh, doing the visual effects work, but I also like cutting the film together. I think it's, it's funny how different things can turn out just with simple cutting and editing. Uh, so that's definitely, I think, where the magic happens and whether, you're not, whether or not your movie's gonna make it or break it. My least favorite part of the whole process is the before. I like writing, don't get me wrong, but I think from the coming up with the idea and then writing it, and then before you shoot, like the casting and the planning and finding locations, I wanna give that to someone else. <laughs> I'm not much of a planner, and maybe that's why my process works the way it does for me, is because I'm much more, let's just go do it, I wanna make a movie, I don't care what that location looks like as long as we can do the shot in it. My process for casting and following through with the cast. I posted audition notices on my Overnight Pictures page, my personal Facebook page. Um, some people that I know would then share it in like um, acting pages on Facebook that I'm not a part of, stuff like that. Just get, get out there as much as, many eyes as can see it so that we have the biggest pool coming back to us. So I got, um, I think the final tally was like 128 emails from people that wanted to be a part of this movie. And I sent them back sides for characters that I felt they looked like. So some people got two or three sides, some only got one. Some of them got the majority of character sides. And they sent back a video. And I basically weed out that way. And from there, we actually had live auditions, but the number had been cut in half or less by that point. Once the cast has been picked, um, we do table reads. Um, I kind of get on everybody for weeks and weeks leading up to the shoot. And then I think my philosophy on shooting so quick works because they don't have time to get out of character. <laughs> they stay in character the whole shoot. They're like, boom, ready to go the whole three or four days. When I post the casting calls, I actually include that it's going to be only a three or four day shoot. You're gonna work 12 plus hour days because that's what my work schedule allows me to get off. So I, you know, I know some people, the majority of people will shoot a couple of days, take days off, whatever, take you know, a month long, four weeks, whatever it is. But my life and my schedule doesn't allow that right now. So it's, 
tough. When we're shooting one of my movies, um, the way that it works is I usually yell action and I let the actors go. And if they mess up, they just keep going. Um, and we'll usually get two or three takes. I try to make sure one of them is a close-up. So sometimes I might not be getting exactly what I want and other directors might want to shoot eight or nine takes. But I think for me, as long as you're getting one of everything that you're happy with, you're gonna be okay. Because at the end of the day, only one of those takes is going in the movie. Now you can cut it up and mix it up however you want, but really only one visual is gonna go on that frame. I think a lot of people overcompensate for that because they get eight or nine, but it's like, dude, you're only gonna put one of those in your movie. And if you're happy with what you're seeing, then there's no point in going on, especially when you're on such a tight schedule. In the past, some of my films, I, I see what they're gonna look like and then they come out and I'm happy with them, but I'm not like, that's how I envision that to look. Uh, particularly with Silver Woods. Now, Silver Woods was shot in a day and a half. <laughs> so uh, that leaves a little room for error. Like if you mess up, it, you pretty much, well, we have to go on, that, that's tough. Uh, but I would say it, it's different with Silver Woods and some of my other films because we didn't plan out how things were gonna look. We had a story, we had a script, we had a cast, we had a location, but we didn't really get to do scouting. We didn't really get to set up what things were gonna look like. And it was just kind of, we'll play it by ear when we get there and set up. With Pocketman and Cargo Boy, it was a little bit different. We did a little bit more planning. Um, we got to see pictures of locations ahead of time, so we got to kind of plan out what things were gonna look like. But I would say the biggest difference between Pocketman and Cargo Boy is I wrote Pocketman and Cargo Boy when I was 13. I've already made Pocketman and Cargo Boy twice. This is the third time I'm making this feature. It's the time that I'm making it the way I want it to look. So I've known what this movie and this whole series is gonna look like for a decade. And to be able to get the budget, the actors, the crew, the location, the camera, to be able to do what I wanna do was awesome. I have found myself upset with the footage. I have not done reshoots. I've had to work around it. Um, sometimes we don't get access to the locations that we were at because they were uh, rented. I've gone in the way of finding places through like Airbnb um, and the owners will let me use the house or the, the cabin, whatever it might be. Um, but five months down the road when I'm editing and I'm not happy with something, I might not have access to that place again. For example, when we shot the October Flowers, the owner actually sold the house a week after we wrapped. So I don't know that the new owner would even let us back in there. And there's no guarantee that any of the furniture would still be in there. I'm assuming they took all their stuff with them. So reshoots were kind of out of the question. I just kind of have to find tricks through edit and fix it or cut the scene entirely, which I don't do very often. I usually figure out how to kind of make it all work. But there's definitely times where I'm like, oh, we should have done this. Why did we do that? My approach to how I handle actors and crew on set is probably not very ideal compared to how other directors might do things. My philosophy is always have fun and make sure everyone is comfortable um, because I believe that if they like what they're doing and the environment is fun, 
they're going to give a better performance, have a better time, and be more understanding if you might fall an hour behind schedule. Um, but it might not work for other people. If you're the director and you're walking around and you're this mean old guy that especially the kids might be scared of or intimidated by, I think you're gonna just, the environment's gonna be different. I mean, if you're gonna be working for 14 plus hours, you gotta like who you're with. It's no different than any other job. I would never go to a place where I gotta work a full day and my boss is just this person that I'm scared to approach. So I directed Pocketman and Cargo Boy in a robe. And it was fun. Everybody had a fun time and it was lighthearted and it's different, I know, but it works. I'm actually self-taught in filmmaking. I grew up making movies in my parents' house. That was my location that I had access to. So I wrote stories around that idea. And I think as I've grown, I've been able to get outside the box a little bit. I've been able to get locations, go and get forests and mountains and whatever I wanted that my story was needing. But I think that that idea of being limited early on has helped me out now because if I find something that I'm not sure how to do or don't have the money for, it doesn't scare me. I'm able to, well, look, I made 50 short films in my parents' house growing up. I can figure this out. The idea for Pocketman and Cargo Boy was written when I was 13, living at home with my parents. But I was able to take that idea as an adult and a professional filmmaker and turn it into something so much bigger, but still following the same idea. I eventually did go to film school. I went to Collins College and learned Avid and got to play with some really expensive cameras and that was nice and it taught me networking. Um, but I think it's important to understand that a filmmaker can be by the books. A filmmaker can be someone who has all the experience and knows every aspect of filmmaking. And a filmmaker can also be someone who's a beginner that just wants to learn their way because that's kind of how I started. I used to tell my friends, one day I'm gonna make big movies and people are gonna watch them and they laughed. You know, I've always had support, but I don't think it's orthodox to go the way that I went, but that doesn't mean that you can't find your own way. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing and conform. I gotta go to film school. I gotta be a PA on a big shoot you can do whatever you want and you don't need a lot of money. I'm able to make all my uh, projects for really under 20 to even sometimes $10,000. Um, so it's not a f ton of money being thrown out there all at once. It's possible to make quality work um, with a shoestring budget. There's a difference in being ambitious and being there's no way in heck you're gonna be able to pull that off. And you have to be clear on that when you go in because if you go into something knowing that you can't pull it off, you're gonna fail from the start. But I think that everybody should probably take away the idea that just because you're limited doesn't mean you can't make something big.